It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. What are we talking about? I don't know. I wasn't in that meeting, but I'm just assuming. Are all Toronto Blue Jays fans losers? You know what I'm going to become? A really, really obnoxious Bills fan. I got so passionate in that argument that I hit the mic with my hat. I cried like a little girl. <laughs> what is wrong with people? No, I'm saying I could have done what Speed does because I do that every time I golf. You're such a moron. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you because you're really creepy. Oh, more bacon. Everything is better with more bacon. Tom Brady wears Uggs. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Beyond the Game program. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can call Town & Country at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. I'm Rick Benson, and joining me are those guys. Darren Metzger's here, as is the show's producer, Zach Barletta. The website is btgprogram.com, and our social media handle is at btgprogram. Our studio line is 585-431-1202. One more time, that's 585-431-1202. And okay, now that you know how to get a hold of us, let's get right into the show. Now, unless you're the Minnesota Vikings, isn't it clear by now that a four-game preseason schedule in the NFL is just foolish? Mm-hmm. The timing of Teddy Bridgewater's injury is, of course, I mean, it's devastating to the Vikings. And the fourth game is going to come in a little handy for them to get a look at life without their starting quarterback. How many teams will need to lose their entire season's chances during the exhibition schedule before they start applying some common sense and fix this thing? Now, look, I get that an injury can happen at any time. I understand that in the case of Bridgewater, it wasn't even during a game. And I know that the Cowboys lost Tony Romo in the third week of preseason. It could have been the first week of the regular season. I know injuries happen at any time. But I'm no mathematician here, but isn't it just a little logical that a four-game preseason gives you twice as many chances for something bad to happen than a two-game preseason would? Does the league really need to play 25% of its regular season schedule to figure out who's going to be on their teams? For most teams, they know who's going to be there after week two. That's why they call week three a dress rehearsal. They're putting their starters out there together in week three and giving them more time than in any other preseason game. Week four doesn't even matter for the most part, except for, you know, a couple of guys trying to make the end of a lineup trying to get on a team and grab one of those last available roster spots. I know owners don't want to give up the revenue. I know that some teams actually require season ticket holders to buy preseason games as well. And then they turn around and throw bench warmers out there. Who really wants to watch that? But you can bet they're charging you full price to watch these backups play. I went to the Giants-Bills games, the preseason game here in Buffalo, only because a friend of mine offered me a ticket. There were plenty of empty seats. The game was in Buffalo, as I said, but there were quite a few Giants fans there. It was as if the Bills fans didn't care enough to go, so it became this opportunity for Giants fans in western New York to see their team. 
Is that what the preseason has become? A chance for fans who don't live near their team to see their favorite players when they come to a town that is near them? Is there really any value in that? These games not only don't count, big-name players that you want to see don't play, and as a result, fans don't care. If it's an entertainment business, it's not entertaining, so get on with the regular season. You see teams running controlled scrimmages. They have these joint practices with other teams, so do more of that and give up one or two preseason games. Negotiate it with the players. Trade preseason games for regular season games. That's what they did back in the 70s when the schedule went from 14 to 16 games. They cut the preseason from six down to four. For every Kurt Warner story, you know, you remember he replaced Trent Green after Trent Green went down in the preseason. All Kurt Warner did was go on and win a Super Bowl. But for every Kurt Warner story, there are so many more like Michael Vick when he was with the Falcons, Tony Romo, Teddy Bridgewater. Again, I know a player can get hurt at any time, but the preseason is too long and losing star players before the season even starts or paying full ticket prices to watch a bunch of backups is demoralizing to fans and teams alike. I know Hugh Jackson wants to make a statement. Going to shake things up, let everyone know there's a new sheriff in town there in Cleveland. Things are different now for the Cleveland Browns. And I guess Jackson takes a third game of the preseason fairly seriously. During the Browns' loss to the Buccaneers last Friday, three-time Pro Bowl punter Andy Lee drew Jackson's wrath after his 52-yard punt was returned 73 yards for a touchdown. Now, Jackson didn't care that much about the touchdown. What upset him was that Lee didn't even try to tackle Adam Humphreys. Jackson said it was his pursuit. Let's be very honest. We're out there to play. If there's another guy that has the ball, your job is to go get it. It's the third meaningless game of four. He's your punter. The punter. Does anyone, who wants to see the punter try to make a touchdown saving tackle in the open field during a meaningless game? Coach, the touchdown doesn't matter. The health and the safety of your players, does you really want to see a punter trying to make an open field tackle in a preseason game? Now, I cannot confirm that these two things are related, but coincidentally, by Monday, the Browns had traded Lee and a seventh-round pick next next year to the Panthers in exchange for punter Casey Redfern and the Panthers' fourth-round pick in 2018. It seems that the Browns are still the Browns, regardless of who's coaching that team. They traded a three-time Pro Bowler with a net average last season of forty, just over 40 yards. For a guy who's an undrafted free agent in 2014 and who's yet to kick a ball in the re- in a regular season NFL game. He's trying to make his fourth or fifth team. Because the coach is upset that in a meaningless preseason game, the punter didn't risk injury by trying to make an open field tackle. If the Browns were trying to punish him, man, the Browns just went all Browns on this. <laughs> they punish him by trading him to the NFC champions. Browns going to Browns. The guy's got a home in Charlotte. How is this a punishment? <laughs> and he's no longer on the Browns. You're not really punishing the guy. Yeah, the who's pre- really winning and losing here? Yeah, the preseason means nothing. You're going to see more Browns players not try to make a tackle. Oh, the Browns. You Bills fans think you have it, you have it rough. But, man, at least you're not Browns fans. That's true. 
Major League Baseball and its Players Union have announced that together they're going to donate $250,000 to help the flood victims in Louisiana. The contribution will be divided up so that half goes to the American Red Cross, and the other half is going to be split between a local foundation started by a number of former LSU players who are now playing in the major leagues, and with the High Sox for Hope charity, which, of course, you might recall, was started by former Yankees reliever David Robertson and his wife, currently David with the Chicago White Sox. No doubt that a quarter of a million dollars is a lot of money. And there's no doubt that the gift is both generous and thoughtful. And there's little doubt that I'm going to be criticized for what I'm about to say. But $250,000? Really? Is that it? And only 125 of that is going to go to organizations established by your own people? Come on, how much are the Yankees alone paying Alex Rodriguez to currently do nothing? Mm-hmm. How much of that oversized contract e- equates to each game? How much was he getting paid per game? And you're giving $250,000 to the flood victims? Come on. These people are in real need. This is the stuff that would drive me crazy if I were a missionary. Pleading for money so that you can humbly get by, often in a foreign country, in order to share the message of Jesus Christ, so that you can help people provide for basic needs, food, water, education. While these people plead for necessary funds to do their important work, athletes, sports teams, celebrities, musicians, others rake in ridiculous amounts of money. Now, I'm not being critical of capitalism or even critical of people who are earning dollar amounts that I can't even understand. I'm simply saying if I was a missionary, this stuff would drive me nuts. Of course I think it's a good thing that baseball's chipping in to help the flood victims. It's a very good thing. And obviously it's not for me to decide how much is appropriate for someone else to give to a charity. But the donation was mentioned on numerous sports websites. It was in numerous papers. So does that mean there was at some point an official press release? Wouldn't you... Why not just give the money quietly without bringing a lot of attention to it? Mm -hmm. It's like the scribes Jesus talks about in Mark chapter 12, right before he tells the story of the widow and who, who gave her two mites. He talks about those who like to walk around and like to be seen. They, uh, he says they like the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at feasts. He even comments that they devour widows' houses in Mark 1240. The religious officials of the day were greedy enough to to rob people, kind of cheat them out of, even widows, of all that they had. I mean, it was a corrupt system. But then he goes and talks about the widow who had practically nothing, and yet she gave anyway. It wasn't much, but to her it was. She gave sacrificially while so many others gave out of their abundance. Because of the faith she had that God would care for her anyhow in giving her way or money, Jesus said in verse 43 that what she gave was more valuable than what all the rest gave. God commends giving and uh, giving in faith. He loves the cheerful giver, according to 2 Corinthians 9, 7. In the story was a woman, she, she herself could have actually used charity, and yet she had a heart to give. Even though the amount was small, she gave it in, in the faith that, that, you know, God could use it. Forgive me for saying, but when baseball charges fans the amount of money that they do for tickets, for hot dogs, for sodas, and then gives what's really just a small amount by their standards, it reminds me a bit of the scribes in Jesus' day. Come on, baseball, you can do better than this. 
Two of the charities are run by your own players, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Dig a little deeper. Take care of your own. Well, there you have it, guys. Those are my opening thoughts. Let me give you a chance to respond. Uh, am I wrong? Uh, I'll start backwards here. I My thoughts exactly on the MLB. I thought I was the only one, and I'm glad you came out and said it first, and I can just hop on that. And if people hate it, I can just point at you. But, yeah, 250 grand. it's chump change compared to what they make. Yeah. You could make a lot more of a difference if they if they really wanted. If you to. gave two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, well, that's oh, yeah, really deserve, stepping up. I deserve something. If all of us together back. in this room gave two hundred and fifty thousand, mm-hmm. but if all of us together gave two hundred and fifty, Major League Baseball finds that in their couch cushions. Like that's not, <laughs> you know. And then the like you said, there was a press release. Like they're proud of this. Like somehow. Everybody found out about it. So, yeah. like, you gave to, them the change out of the cup holder in your car. And <laughs> I don't know that there was a that? press release. All I do know is it was on websites and newspapers, and yeah. it got yeah. plenty of attention. And going to Hugh Jackson and the Browns, completely right on almost everything. But you asked if I really want to see a punter try and make a tackle. Yes. You do because you're a very bad person. You're thinking Antonio. You see another yeah. Antonio Brown Mortal Kombat. You just want to see somebody get crushed. Oh, but that's I could watch that Antonio Brown finish. If he's move. your punter that you're paying all that money to. He had a helmet and a face mask. I didn't <laughs> really get hurt. That's hilarious. I don't care if it's it is the Bills punter. That yeah. would be awesome to see. That was great. Am I wrong, Zach? No. I love Hugh Jackson. I wanted him to be the Bills coach when they hired Rex Ryan instead. But like you said, that touchdown is meaningless. So he saves the touchdown. So what? The the, the standings will still be 0-0 because it's preseason. And what if your punter goes all out to make that tackle and gets injured? And it's a pretty good chance he's not going to make that tackle, right? He's right. going to yeah, swing and miss. That's like a quarterback he... trying to make a tackle. <laughs> like it's Every now and then you see a punter demolish somebody, but more often than not they're just flailing around blindly. And it's, it's you know, not good. there's it's no not point. Good. And you're going to the preseason now. You were almost right, but you can't make a blanket general statement how they're causing you full price. I know you're talking about uh, the season ticket holders and stuff, but I was poking around looking for Bills tickets to the uh, home opener on a Thursday night against the Jets. But I did find Bills preseason tickets uh, to the other night's game against Detroit for 6 bucks, But that's still too high to get me to go to a yeah. preseason game for well, a game. Because like we were talking about, you're going to see the guys that are going to be back on the street in two weeks. They're not going to be yeah, where on an no. NFL team. You're not going to pay. I've seen those tickets for three bucks. Still too high. The other thing I would like to add to the Hugh Jackson, the punter thing, is you just know because of the Browns, eventually they're going to lose a game on a punt return with this new punter that's never played. It'll and, probably be to the Panthers. I wonder if they, did they play each other. And we will all laugh because we're like, ha, that's the punter that you wanted. Yeah, you like you said, though, you... You, you trade him to a team that's not only really, really good, but it's by his house. Like, how is this a punishment to the guy? And I, I don't know for sure that they were trying to punish him. Maybe they wanted this other kicker who's never kicked in the NFL. I have, I have totally, no idea. Totally. More likely they just wanted that fourth-round pick because they're the Browns and they're addicted to draft picks. Before we go to the break, though, you mentioned that you could find the tickets for 3 or $6. dollars mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the, the ticket that my friend had wasn't a $3 ticket. He This was a $35, $40 ticket for a preseason game in which the starters played very little time. And who wants to... The only game that would be worth it is the Patriots preseason game. And if you're a season ticket holder, I'm, I'm sorry to 
talk over you, Zach. But if you're a season ticket holder, you make me pay for those tickets. They're not. They're not giving you those tickets that you found on some website for three dollars. You're yeah. paying full no, face that, ticket mm-hmm. value. I said that. I know that's what you're saying, but yeah, you yes. can find them for six bucks. But I'm somebody's, still not. Yeah, somebody's go. losing like forty-seven dollars on that ticket. We got a lot more coming up for you today on the program. I hope you'll stick around, spend this hour with us. We're going to give you our NFL preview, so you won't really need to watch the games this year. You're already going to know <laughs> who's going to make the playoffs, and then you can do some work around the house, get off the couch, you lazy bum, like your wife wants you to. And we really can't get away without at least sharing some thoughts on Colin Kaepernick. That, will plus, will cover a whole range of topics when it comes to shenanigans. This is a Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Beyond the Game is Town & Country Pest Solutions, and they have been for the two-plus years the show's been on the air. But that's nothing compared to the nearly 30 years of bringing your homes and businesses of unwelcome pests. And I'm not just here reading a commercial script for them. I am a happy and satisfied customer. They have taken care of a mouse, bee, ant, and even fly problem for me. Yes, my house is old and falling apart, and I get all sorts of pest problems, and you may too as the colder air creeping in starts to cause critters to seek shelter in your attic, basement, or walls. If you think you have a problem or want to make sure that you don't, call Town & Country. They really are the best. They guarantee their work, and did I mention they're the best? Save yourself any more of a headache and money by giving them a call first. Don't waste your time on other companies. Town & Country will do it right the first time, every time. So give them a call today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. One more time because someone decided that three is the magic number, 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Is here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian Sports TV channel with programming from Pee to the Pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, Western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More, More than a game. Thanks for being with us here on the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Benson and those guys joining you. Kind of a proud moment for me the other night. I don't know how it is in your home, but unless we're getting together with our small group Bible study or there's some other reason, I like to be in bed by 10 after 10. Kind of a weird anomaly about me. I'm Wide awake at 10 o'clock at night, but by 10 minutes later, I'm starting to drift off. 10-10, I like to be in bed. Such an old man. It's what keeps me good looking. It's what keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> of course, I do like to get up at the butt crack of dawn, though. You do I, get up early for I someone do like that doesn't that. have to be up early. My wife, however, she's the opposite. She'll stay up watching bizarre TV shows like Sharknado or American Horror Story. <laughs> the other night, though, I couldn't have been prouder of her. I woke up to use the bathroom. She's in the living room watching The Natural. You know, Roy Hobbs. (laughs) Yeah. What a terrific movie. One of those movies I've seen so many times that regardless of where it is in the film, I know the dialogue practically by heart. I can hear it in our bathroom, so I'm in there reciting lines along with the television. So distracted by the movie that I probably left the seat up. You know those movies. Tombstone. 
Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That one for you, sure. You know the entire dialogue. Airplane. That <laughs> airplane is a good one. That's how the Colin Kaepernick thing has gotten this week. Oh. And now here we are, days later, and people are still talking about it. And the only very few are really bringing anything different to the conversation. It's the same dialogue, regardless of what sports talk show you're listening to, which is why I really enjoy the challenge of bringing a biblical perspective to many of the hot topics in sports each week. Very, very few, if anyone at all, is going to give you the same perspective you're going to get on this program. Very few are going to approach it from a faith-based lens. Now, obviously, I don't like that he opts to sit for the national anthem. No real surprise there. Most people don't like it, though most people would identify with his right to make that decision. Of course, as been pointed out by many already, just as he has the right to express himself in such a manner, people also have the right to object to that. They have the right to hold to an opposing view and to not like what he's doing. And of course, there's no shortage of people who both support him and there's no shortage of people who object. And if you don't think there's a racial divide in America, just notice for the most part how that divides down racial boundaries. Not exclusively, of course, I, I wouldn't say that, but, but there is a divide. Isn't it remarkable that what that flag stands for is the very thing that provides him the freedom to protest against it? Mm -hmm. Intentionally or unintentionally, Kaepernick got himself into a hornet's nest of criticism as a result. Mm -hmm. Perhaps he didn't intend for this much heat, but he's got it, and he's not backing down. He had to expect it, though. He Probably. He's not backing down, and like many, I just think his protest is misfocused. I'm not so naive as to think America doesn't have its problems. Of course it does. Mm -hmm. And racial discrimination and even persecution is a very real thing. But let's not pretend that it only goes one way. There are many who hate because of someone else's black skin or someone else's brown skin or someone else's white skin because of their background, their ethnicity, their sexual preference, religious choice. There's many other reasons people choose to hate. It's stupid. It's narrow-minded, and it's sinful. But to suggest that the flag stands for op oppression is just absurd. And to talk about oppression, and then wear a T-shirt with Cuban dictator Fidel Castro on it, <laughs> are you really that ignorant? Yes. Are you? Re Come on, man. Oppression of Cuban people obviously isn't something that bothers them so much. And in fact, one could say he seems to be promoting it with that T-shirt. America may have its issues. Wherever there are more than one or two people, there's going to be issues. But the, the, the flag stands for many good things. The flag stands for a country that treats its people and protects its freedoms better than any other on earth. The flag stands for a country that allows its people the freedom to say and do most anything they want. The United States of America does not oppress its people. But make no mistake that there are people within the United States who definitely do make efforts to oppress certain other people. And again, don't be so naive to think that that only goes one way. By and large, most police officers are good people. They risk their lives to serve and protect the people of this country without discrimination. By and large, most people, most Americans are good people. And I like that term, Americans. And we've talked about this before, guys. I I hate when it's, you know, it's a Hispanic American or an African American or an Asian American. These are Americans. 
We came together as nine, after 9-11 as Americans. We weren't worried about skin color then. Remember the images of New York City with all the ash all over. Everybody looked the same. They were Americans. Mm-hmm. The flag represents this country, and this country is made up of its people. Colin Kaepernick and anyone else who disrespects this country can expect to hear about it from the people that they're so unfairly criticizing and protesting. I don't object to his right to protest. I object to his distasteful and ignorant disrespect to all the good which the American flag stands for. Make your protest in another way. Instead of just talk, how about the, how about doing something? And maybe he has, and I'm just not aware of it, but how about doing something? The black-on-black crime in places like Chicago is out of control. What do you, How about doing something? There are people in various parts of this nation who've lost their lives, lost their loved ones. They're displaced from their homes due to the floods, due to fires. How about doing something? There are many who have no place to go, not enough food to eat, all of which are really kind of shameful for the greatest country on earth whose wealth is unimaginable to the rest of the earth's population. Before you talk about oppression, are you doing anything to help them? Instead of sitting during the national anthem and insulting a nation of people, how about making your feelings known by joining a peaceful protest? How about leading a march? How about getting out front? It was good enough for Martin Luther King Jr. That's a lot more difficult, isn't it, than just sitting during a national anthem? It takes a lot more effort. There are any number of things Kaepernick could have done to express his feelings that would have got the same amount of attention, if not more, proclaim his message. It would have been less offensive to the good people of the United States who love that flag. Now, I'm probably wasting my time. You've heard all this before, so let me share with you something you probably aren't hearing somewhere else. Now, understand that I am not saying you cannot express your freedom of speech as protected under the Constitution. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that each of us has a God-ordained directive to honor and be subjected to the government which is in authority over us. That is, in every area that's not in direct disobedience to one of God's laws. What I mean by that is if the government tells you that you must cheat on your spouse, well, obviously that goes against God's law that you that you not commit adultery. I want to read this passage from Romans chapter 13. Stick with me. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists God, resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Verse 7, pay to all that is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in verse 10 says, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. 
The leadership of a nation is established by God's design, not always to bless a people, sometimes to judge a people or prepare a nation or a people for judgment. To resist authority, according to verse 2, is to resist what God has appointed and will bring about judgment. You may not like it, but verse 7 says we're to pay our taxes. We're to pay respect, to pay honor to those in authority. Jesus even said, render unto Caesar what, what is Caesar's. Now, don't, no doubt, this opens up very, very many difficult and potentially uncomfortable doors. Maybe it even creates more questions than answers. It certainly creates more than we can address right here. Does that mean like war is wrong? Does it mean that it would have been sinful to have killed Hitler if you were a German at the time he was seeing millions of Jews put to death? I mean, these are difficult questions for sure. They require prayer. They require study. They require trust in God. There's room for discussion. and There's room for people to come out with different opinions and understanding. But for the purpose of this discussion regarding Colin Kaepernick, is it sinful to not stand for the national anthem? No, I don't believe it is. But in verse 6, the Bible says that the authorities are ministers of God. Is the anthem, is the flag a representation of those authorities? Is it sin, therefore, if we disrespect those things? Again, I don't think so. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's in poor taste. I think it's deserved of the harsh criticisms he's received. But as I said earlier, I just think it's misfocused. There's better ways to make your protest. Ways that wouldn't disrespect the good things, the good people, which the flag stands for. But I want to bring this a little closer to home. What does Romans 13 mean for you and I? At minimum, I think it means we should be prayerful and take some time to consider if some of the things that we say about our government, about our leaders, might actually be worse than Colin Kaepernick's not standing for the national anthem. Before you just spout off on social media with some commentary about the evils of the authorities God has appointed over you, maybe you should at least pray and reflect if what you're going to say is sinful. Is it appropriate? Is it honoring to God who set government according to his purpose? If you're not sure, then maybe it's better to just not say anything. I don't have the, all the answers, and I, I definitely don't have the answers here for what we're talking. This is hard stuff. This is the stuff that makes your brains hurt. But what I am suggesting is that before you rip Colin Kaepernick, and I think there's cause, that you make sure your own house is in order first. Remember what it says in Matthew 7, 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And let me just leave you with this thought. The Bible says in, the, in that passage of Romans chapter 13 that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If what you're doing is done out of love for the other guy rather than for yourself, then the rest is going to take care of itself. Verse 10, the love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law comes down to this. If you are in subjection to God and you want to please him, then the things that come out of your mouth will be a reflection of that. If your life and your mind are in full subjection to God and you truly want to please him, then your comments about what someone else is doing during the national anthem will be tempered with love. Submission to God is reflected in our relation to our government and in all other areas of our life. To say it another way, our relationship to our government and its leaders will be will reveal your relationship with God. Based on Kaepernick's decision to sit during the national anthem to not show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color, I think it's safe to say that it says a lot about his relationship with the Lord. 
you got to start with getting right with God. You got to start with repenting of your sins and trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's your relationship with Christ that provides for a proper submission to authority, allows us to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's your relationship with Christ, which will be revealed in how harshly you condemn somebody else, even Colin Kaepernick. So I want to leave you with this one question. How's your relationship with God? I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to Beyond the Game. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Have you ever thought where you'll go when you die? A recent poll found that more than four out of five people in the U.S. believed in heaven. The really interesting research comes when you ask how and why you get there. Do you know the answer, or are you just hoping for the best? Jesus gave us the answers to how we can join him in heaven and be assured of our eternal fate. If you want to learn how to trust in Jesus and assure your place in heaven, call 888-NEED-HIM or chat with us at chataboutjesus.com. Welcome back to the show. Benson and those guys joining you here on Beyond the Game. All is well with the world. You got baseball about to head into the stretch run. The NFL is getting going. Hockey's not far behind. It's a good time of year. It's a time of year where we make our NFL picks. <laughs> last year we had, you picked the Patriots, or no, excuse me, the Panthers last year to really win that NFC championship. Didn't you, Zach, if I recall? I thought they'd have two really good games, yes. Because <laughs> I have the Panthers at 2-14. and 14. No kidding. I just, I haven't seen the improvement from Cam Newton as a quarterback. As an athlete, <laughs> obviously, but as a quarterback, they're missing Calvin Benjamin. Yeah. Who so, is he going to uh, throw to? Two wins? Two wins. Swing so that went well. At the end of last season, <laughs> Panther fans all over are just trolling Zach to the point where he had to turn his phone off for a little while <laughs> yeah. after the season was over. Well, let's go around. Let's make our predictions. Uh, let me hear what you guys have to think. Um, why don't we start right in the – we'll start with division winners. In the AFC East, who who wins that division? Patriots. And why are is we there any – right. Is there why any reason to go question? any farther? Does anybody not have the Patriots? I have the Patriots at 11-5. and five. Yeah, come come talk to me again about that when uh, Brady and Belichick retire. I honestly thought the Bills could have contended, but losing Marcel Darius through suspension and the rash of injuries they've had – it, that's cost them dearly. I do want to ask you guys, because you're Bills fans, um, I'm looking at their schedule, and they play, I think, nine games before they have their bye. Uh-huh. And I can see them easily being 2-7, and seven, yeah. just as I can see them being 7-2. and two. Yeah, it could happen. It's it's a, it's kind of a daunting schedule. If you look at you going to Seattle, you got the yeah. Cardinals coming to you. Man, that's kind of tough. As Bills fans, let me just ask you, what what do you think? Well, give me a prediction for their record. Eight and eight. I'm going to go ten and six because I'm just, for once, 
I think Zach and I's roles of Bills fans have switched. I am being the optimistic one. I think the defense is going to take a major step forward. Even with the injuries and the suspensions and everything, I'm telling you, All right, but they're you got surprise. The, the Patriots win in the division. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. After okay. the draft, I would have had a 10-6 and six Bills team, but there's just no healthy bodies on defense, so I, I can't do it. Next guy up. The FC North? Steelers. they got a shaky secondary, but their offense is just awesome. I have the Steelers at 10-6. and six. I think that that division is going to be bad. See, I, I'm pretty high on the Bengals. I, I think the Bengals win that division. I mean, you're I think, saying regular season, not playoffs. So, yeah, the Bengals could be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that, like, they lost Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu, and they replaced them with Brandon LaFell and a rookie. Like, I just a don't, solid point. I don't, and Eifert's hurt. I don't think they're going to score all the points that we're used to them scoring. I think the Steelers make the playoffs, but I think the Bengals win the division. I think the Steelers' offense can cover up any deficiencies they have anywhere well, else. They do have a yeah. great offense. AFC South? The Jaguars. I like what they got going on in Jacksonville. I actually have the Jags and the Texans tied at 10-6 and six apiece, but the Texans win on a head-to-head tiebreaker. Yeah. You got real in depth with that. I, I just I really love what the Jags are doing. Hedged his bets. But the, he couldn't pick. But the the Texans are doing it with players who have been in the league, and the Jags are going to do it with rookies. So on defense, so I, I think the Texans make the. I, I like the Texans there. I think the Jaguars are a year away, but I, I like yeah. they definitely make a step forward. I like what yeah. they've done. So you get the Patriots. Uh, you guys have the Steelers. I have the Bengals. Uh, Darren, you have the Jaguars. Zach and I have the Texans. Looking at the AFC West. Raiders. David Carr to Amari Cooper. They've been knocking on the door for a few years now. This young team is ready to break through. I like the Raiders a ton. What magazine are you reading this from? I came up with that myself. Bull. I really did. (laughs) You're reading from Sports (laughs) Pro Football Weekly or something. I like the Raiders a ton, as you'll see from my picks later on, but I think the Broncos win the division. Not much has changed other than at quarterback, but their quarterbacks were so bad last year that I don't think that makes a <laughs> yeah. difference, you know? Yeah, I'm again, Zach, I'm with you. I, I like the Broncos in that division, but I think the Raiders make the playoffs. I have the Raiders winning 11 games, and, and but the Broncos Who's your AFC games. championship match, Zach? I'll go Raiders-Patriots. Raiders Patriots. That's interesting. I got Steelers and the Patriots. Steelers are they're gonna win it. I got Patriots Broncos with the Patriots representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Let's turn to the NFC. Let's start in the East again. Somebody has to win this division, right? <laughs> the New York Football Giants, Benson. Your oh, guys. No, I'm, I'm a fan of up. your pick, but I, I'm not seeing it. I think this is the Redskins division. I paid a price not as badly as you did, Zach, but last year my prediction of the Redskins, I did get some trolling late in the year mm-hmm. from it. Redskins fans. I uh, Actually, I'm different than both of you. I'm saying Dallas. Dak Prescott's going to surprise you. Zeke Elliott's going to be a stud, and, of course, Dez is going to have a good year. Romo's never going to regain his starting job, and he's going to be forgotten about. It's You're, the Dak Prescott era. He's going to get bloodsowed? He's going to get blood soaked. I'm calling it right now. You're an idiot. <laughs> I have the Cowboys at 8-8. Eight and eight. I think they're an 8-8 eight and eight football team. Yeah, you can even take a win or two off that now, I think. Without Tony Romo, I yeah, Prescott's been impressive so far. But Zeke I'm, Elliott, I like him. I like that offense. Zeke's a stud. In the north, I've got the Packers winning that division. I got the Vikings. Still? Despite losing Teddy Bridgewater. 
Despite the fact that the Packers have Jordy Nelson back and, and Shreddy Lacey is confirming the fact that no, I man, an idiot. they're going to shock the football world and ride Adrian. Yeah, Peterson that would that would that, that would, would definitely be a shock. You know, and Sean Hill's going to become the least deserving quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Zach, who do you Trent got in the North? I have the Vikings or the Packers. Wow, almost. yeah, you got the Vikings. The Packers you are know ten and do. six. I think the Vikings will win five games. We'll give you a chance to redeem yourself here. I'll let you go first when we talk about the South. Who do you have winning that division? <laughs> I have the Atlanta Falcons. Just, just kidding. It's the I have the Panthers. Panthers are going to win twelve games, and the division. But I think the Buccaneers are going to be pretty good. I would say the Panthers winning the division. I think yeah, the dude. Falcons will make the playoffs. So that's bold. That is bold. They haven't looked very good so far. I'm. I like them. West. I got Seahawks with the Cardinals also making the playoffs. I was going back and forth between the Seahawks and the Cardinals, and I eventually settled on Seattle, mostly because a lot of people are picking the Cardinals, and strong case can be made clearly, but the Seahawks' defense, I think, is going to get that swagger back, 12th man, all that stuff, but it's really going to ride on Russell Wilson continuing to develop into, honestly, one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. I've got the Seahawks winning 11 games, but I have the Cardinals winning the division at 13-3. and three. You have the I Seahawks think- in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think the Cardinals just have that a dominant defense. They've got a dominant offense, and yeah. I, I don't like the Seahawks' offensive line. I just – I it scares me. Patriots and Broncos was easy for me to pick in the AFC. Um, I, I The Steelers, I think, are very, very good. But, again, I just think – I think Patriots, Broncos, and the AFC – but the NFC was much more difficult. It's difficult, yep. I, for to pick an NFC championship game uh, – Boy, you got the Packers, you got the Panthers, you got the Cardinals, you got the Seahawks. Any one of those teams could be there. All depends on who clicks late. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Packers and Seahawks. Really? I'm gonna say the Panthers when it comes, they'll get into the playoffs, and then maybe they a little bit of letdown from last year. I have, I got the Panthers and the Seahawks just because you saw how good Cam was last year. He's got even more weapons this year and another year under his belt. He's going to be scary good, but I'm going to give the NFC to the Seahawks. Yeah, I got the Seahawks or defense going to the Russell Super Bowl. Huge. I have the Cardinals and the Panthers in that game, and the, the Cardinals winning to go to the Super Bowl. I just I the Cardinals are that team for me this year that as I went through the schedule, I was like, are they going to lose a game? And I haven't been thirteen and three, but I just think they're too good. I think the Cardinals beat the Panthers and go to the Super Bowl. You know, again, you got those four teams that I think it's very difficult. You could pick any one of them. Mm-hmm. I could see the Cardinals doing Cardinals exactly are. what you just said. They're, they're very good. impressive. I, you know why you give the Seahawks the edge? Because they, they've been to two Super Bowls in a row. They won the first. They lost the second. I think they're going to be hungry to go back there and prove that that's not a fluke. Um, I think Pete Carroll's going to motivate that group. It might, it might be the best Seahawks team in the last three years. That's what's scary, too. They're a good football team. All right, so I've got Seahawks, Patriots in the Super Bowl, and I'm going to pick the Seahawks for my Super Bowl champions this coming year. You know, I had the Seahawks and the Steelers, and I was going to pick the Seahawks, but just to be different than you, I'm going to go Steelers. That would be an upset. Now I'm going with it. <laughs> I got the Cardinals beating the Raiders in Super Bowl 51. The Raiders. Cardinals beating the Raiders. Yeah. Su- that's that's a bold pick. <laughs> bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays <laughs> well, off. I made a bold World Series pick, and I, it made me feel brave, so I'm making a bold Super Bowl pick, too. All right, there you have it, our NFL picks. Actually, let me ask you guys this before we go to break. Is there 
Is there a team that you look down in either the AFC, NFC, doesn't matter, a team that you think will surprise, be better than you think people are giving them credit for? You know, this wouldn't have been my pick earlier in the preseason, but with all the injuries, I really do think the Buffalo Bills, even with the suspensions and the injuries, they are going to surprise. I was going to say you picked the Vikings way. in the playoffs after Teddy Bridgewater went I'm down. I'm telling you, so Sean Hill's underrated. That's all Darren's been doing the whole show is picking underdogs. So like this was a tough question. <laughs> but for the him. the Bills will surprise in a good way this year and win double digit games. Obviously, I'm a little higher on the Falcons than I think most people are. Yeah, yeah. Zach, do you have a surprise team? In there? I had a, I had a few. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it already, but I think the Lions will make the playoffs. And I'm I'm going off looking at what Sports Illustrated had in their rankings. They think the Browns are going to win one game. I think the Browns win at least four games. So I think that would be a big surprise. I think they'll actually be pretty good offensively. And I like the Titans this year, too. All right, so there you have it, our NFL picks for the upcoming season. When we come back, we got shenanigans, a few other things that we're going to cover, hopefully, before we run out of time. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Multiplication, division, algebra, and calculus. With math, there's a lot to learn. Thankfully, at Mathnasium Learning Centers, we make math make sense. As the new school year approaches, we're ready to help students reach their full potential. Children deserve to be greater than their fear of math, greater than past homework struggles, greater than they ever thought possible. With over 700 locations worldwide, we're committed to making this school year greater than last year. Visit mathnasium.com today to find the center nearest you. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. I hurt my wrist last night. <laughs> Dancing to the song? No, but I can see that. It's been sore all day. You know, one of those injuries where I have no idea what I did but if I put pressure on it, it sends pain shooting through my arm. Here's I can tell. I, I think I leaned on something wrong. Probably should have taken today off, but, you know, pain threshold exceeded. Last weekend, I was watching the PBR like people do, <laughs> professional bull riders. You think football players and hockey players are tough? Oh, these guys are crazy. These guys are nutty. I mean, those other guys are tough too, but these guys, they're nutty. Like me, probably playing through with my, my achy wrist. You know, tough guys. Cooper Davis won the event last week in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which in bull riding terms is, is not all that common because he had won, this is the second week in a row, he had won the week before in Nashville. Guy hits the eight-second mark in the second round and just gets slammed to the ground. <laughs> I mean, he was slammed so hard you could hear the thud. It was sort of like a guy scoring a touchdown, spiking the ball in the end zone. You could hear it. Only Cooper Davis was the football. And, of course, the TV reporter's there waiting for the uh, the post-ride interview. 
And he says, I, I landed like a sack of taters there. I knew I was on the end of my arm and had to hang on as long as I could. I knew I was probably going to hurt whenever I hit the ground. I, I'm not telling you this because the guy took a hard hit. I'm telling you this because the trainer looks him over and tells him he separated his shoulder, and it was his right shoulder, his riding shoulder. And my man gets a little treatment, goes right back on out there. And then this hits the eight-second mark again in the final round to win the event hanging on with the arm that's attached to a separated shoulder. It's not really attached. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, that's perseverance. Holy cow. You know, that's probably... That's stupid. That's <laughs> what that is. That's awesome. You know, you do have to question, but uh, he says it's something you have to black out. I could feel it more towards the end than I could at the beginning. I love this stuff. I mean, you got to watch next week, right? I thought about so many things that throw me off my game. You know, my achy wrist, uh, someone says something the wrong way, does something I don't like. Here's this guy blocking a separated shoulder out while he's riding a 1,500-pound bull. I mean, what you're doing is And I'm ready similar. to throw, throw in the towel because somebody said something to me wrong. It happens so often when working with people. Many of us need to be better at just persevering, just enduring through the insignificant stuff we so needlessly overemphasize. We'd benefit from blocking it out the way Cooper Davis blocked out the pain of a separated shoulder while he's riding a 1,500-pound bull. I think of this passage, Hebrews chapter 12, the first four verses. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This, the chapter before this, Hebrews 11, is, of course, the heroes of the faith chapter. So many biblical heroes being listed there. And, of course, you can add your friends, your loved ones to those that have passed on before us. You can add those to that cloud of witnesses. It, it, it leads into this passage here in chapter 12 that those heroes of faith, those loved ones, sort of just cheering us on as we strive to finish the race we're running, cheering us on in our faith journeys. As you watch football games on TV and you're cheering and encouraging your favorite team, hoping to see them do well, it sort of gives you this picture here in the first verse of Hebrews 12. There are times we just need to endure whatever it is that we're struggling with, whatever it is we're fighting with be it a 1,500-pound bull or an addiction or maybe a temptation that keeps tripping us up, knowing they're cheering for us, knowing uh, that ought to encourage us, putting aside these things that tend to slow us down, we can and should endure until the victory. And when we think we have such difficulties, maybe like an achy wrist or, or worse, we can look to Jesus. We can think of what what he endured on the cross, what he endured from sinners, yours and mine, those sins which he carried to the cross to set us free if only we'd believe and repent. We've not struggled like that. And in our struggles, he's promised never to abandon us. He he only wants to help us if only we'd let him. I don't know about you, but that thought encourages me. 
I hope you're encouraged it by by that as well. I know I need to work harder at enduring certain things which I face in my daily life. I know I need to set aside some of those things that we just talked about, which I tend to bring upon myself. Perhaps like me, you need to do a better job of blocking things out like Cooper Davis did and focusing on Jesus. Anyway, let's see if we can cover some ground here, fellas. Bounce through some different topics by getting into this week's shenanigans. If you're new to the show, Zach will make a statement. We'll go around the room and offer a brief explanation as why we either agree or call shenanigans on that statement. So take it away, Zach. All right. Despite not being promoted permanently until late July, Gary Sanchez will be the Yankees team leader in home runs when the season ends. I say shenanigans. He's still eight or so behind Sterling Castro. Both are everyday players and will be down the stretch. So there's a few other guys in front of him. I think there's a definite chance, though, because the guy's hitting the ball. But I think he's probably going to come up a bit short shenanigans I, I love what Gary Sanchez is doing right now but we've actually seen this before as Yankees fans and Shane Spencer you come up you get hot when you're first up but then you know some video shows up find some holes in your swing so I love what he's doing but no he's absolutely not going to lead the Yankees in home runs I agree I think he's going to do it I think he he's a much better hitter and a much better prospect than Shane Spencer ever could have dreamed Obviously. of being and I think this hot streak, he's been riding it this far. Why can't he ride it for another few weeks? I think he could do it. I think there's a definite chance. But right. Texas Tech football coach Cliff Kingsbury recently revealed the school uses fake Twitter accounts to keep track of what its players are saying on social media. Kingsbury said, We have fake accounts with cute girls that they add right now so we can see what's going on and who's tweeting what. Truth or shenanigans, this is an invasion of the player's privacy and shouldn't be allowed shenanigans it's not an invasion of their privacy it's stupid and also stupid that he admitted it if he wanted it to you know continue to work but uh no it's not an invasion of privacy it's your twitter account it's for the public to see i agree um with what darren said which means i call shenanigans on the question if you're putting it on twitter it's not private you know and also if you're a high profile athlete celebrity you kind of are giving up your privacy anyways so shenanigans and I go along with you guys, shenanigans, you know, your phrase of it being an invasion of privacy is kind of the kicker there. It's not. You put something on social media, as, as you've said, it's no longer private. I'm not sure why the coach wouldn't just as you, use his own account, though. I mean, I don't yeah. know why all the cloak and dagger stuff. Just use your own account, but <laughs> whatever. All right, one more because we're pressed for time. Cowboys rookie quarterback Dak Prescott has wowed fans with both his throwing and running during preseason games. His dual-threat ability has drawn comparisons to many current and former quarterbacks, including Cam Newton, Tim Tebow, Steve McNair, Colin Kaepernick, and Steve Young. Truth or shenanigans, you believe the hype that Prescott's NFL career will be more like Newton, Young, and McNair than Tebow and Kaepernick? I'm going to say I agree, and I agree because you use the term more like. I'm not sure he's Steve Young or Steve McNair and kind of really unfair to him to make those comparisons at this point of his career, but I think he's going to be closer to those guys than he would to a Tebow or Kaepernick who really only enjoyed short seasons. Yeah, I, I agree, and I agree with what Benson said, but I'm not a big fan of comparisons. Why can't he just be like Dak Prescott, a good young quarterback. I don't think we need to compare him to anybody, but if we have to, yes, I agree. His his career will be more like a Cam and McNair and a Steve Young as opposed to T-Bone Kaepernick. I'm going to say shenanigans just because I don't think we've seen enough to know. 
You know, he's put up some really impressive numbers, but he's also thrown two passes that should have been intercepted but were dropped. So I really just think he's a decent quarterback at this point, and we need to see more before we know. But thanks to Tony Romo, we're going to see really soon. Title sponsor of the Beyond the Game program is Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. We're going to change things up a little bit this week, try to put a more positive spin on things, and instead of doing our Pest of the Week, we're going to look around the sports scene for someone to praise. Titus 3.2 tells us to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. It's easy to find the negative. We want to accept the challenge to find the positive. And by the way, offering commentary or disagreeing with somebody is not necessarily speaking evil of them. And we'd always set out to do Pest of the Week in a sort of tongue-in-cheek way. I mean, we're not intending any sort of personal attack on someone. I saw this meme this week where a teacher wrote the nines times tables on a blackboard. Intentionally, she wrote that first one wrong, writing it as nine times one is seven. As she wrote the others down, the class was giggling and laughing. As she turned around to tell them that she'd done that intentionally to make the point that they didn't commend her or even mention that she got the rest of the list correct. All Mm -hmm. they did was focus on the one they got wrong. So we're going to try to put a little positive spin on it and do something called What I Like This Week. You like that? You like that? Florida State University wide receiver wide receiver Travis Rudolph who this week while visiting a middle school in Tallahassee asked a young autistic boy who often eats by himself if he could sit down and have lunch with him. The boy's grateful mother called Rudolph a hero and said that uh, due to her son's autism he doesn't seem to notice when people stare at him when he when he when he flaps his hands he doesn't seem to notice that he doesn't get invited to birthday parties anymore and he doesn't seem to mind if he eats lunch alone. It's one of my daily questions for him. She says, was there a time today you felt sad? Did you eat lunch with anybody today? And the answer is is usually nobody. Uh, but I just want to give some praise to FSU's Travis Rudolph for spotting this young man by himself and sitting down and having lunch with him. He's what I like this week. You like that? You like that? Something I like this week, I, I, honestly, I came across it on YouTube. I don't know what the cop's name is, where it is, but it's it's it, with all the negative uh, news involving police officers these days, there's a body cam video showing a cop saving a passenger that was trapped inside a burning SUV. He very calmly is fighting the flames, pulls the guy out, uh, and the Internet, which is usually full of garbage, is actually been pretty uplifting in all the comments about it, and that was uh, that was something I like this week, something I like to see. You like that? Let's just say that he was a football player so that it has something to do with sports. There we go. (laughs) The thing I liked this week was the Chicago Cubs' Ben Zobrist Instagram video. He had just spent 14 hours with his daughter at Disneyland, and they were at the big parade at the end of the night, and they were playing Let It Go from Frozen, so he posted a video with him (laughs) and his daughter singing Frozen at the top of their lungs. (laughs) All of us are fathers, but I'm sure we've all sung Disney songs with our little girls. So it was oh, something yeah. that, that I identified with and I really enjoyed. I want to thank you for listening to Beyond the Game. Beyond the Game has been brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Townandcountrysolutions.com. Give them a call at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Tell them Benson sent you. For those guys, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back again together next week right here at the same time. Have a great week, everybody.